It's Office Hours with Chris. That's me, Office Hours. Welcome in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a a new thing I just made up. It's called Office Hours with Chris, where uh, I thought I'd answer questions and read emails. And since I never told anybody I was doing this, I just had to pick some random emails to start with. And that's how what I'm going to guess is Vico? Vico? Vico. I'm going with Vico. That's how Vico got into the show here. He writes about the enthusiast trap. And uh, keep in mind the context of a couple of weeks ago as I record this, there was a big hoopla around Manjaro bundling free office in place of LibreOffice. And so that's the context for this email. And of course, I should say, Vico, welcome, welcome into the office. I'm glad you're here. Uh, anyways, he writes, I recently heard of a name for the phenomenon that is happening with the Manjaro community. It's called the Enthusiast Trap. I first heard about it from a video by Low Spec Gamer. I will put a link to that video in the show notes so you can, you can see the whole thing. But the TLDR is... The enthusiast market is very small, very demanding, and the least loyal of them all. I'm going to pause here for a second. The loyalty thing struck me when I first read this, but then I think about it. um, One of the number one kind of reactions on the negative side of Manjaro bundling free office, one of the number one go-to responses was, well, that's it, I'm leaving. Which distro should I switch to next? Boom. All that loyalty gone. So I actually, at first I read that and I kind of didn't like the way that felt, but then I thought about it and he's right. Like the enthusiast market's educated. They're, they're capable of shifting to a different product. And so they'll take advantage of that capability. He says, and for a company to grow, it will eventually need to abandon these enthusiasts to appeal to a more mainstream audience. This of course will then upset the enthusiasts who are very aware and they are demanding and as we can demonstrate non-loyal customers, which will jump ship very quickly. The enthusiasts can't really be blamed for being upset either, since they probably did a lot of the free marketing for that company, or like in the case of a Linux distribution, for that distribution. Even some more demanding work, like reporting bugs, or fixing bugs and submitting patches, or doing tech support in the community, and they do have a legitimate claim to that time. He goes on to say, in hindsight, this applies to a lot of things that seem to happen in the Linux community. Love the shows, by the way. Well, thank you, Vecco. Hopefully I'm getting uh, somewhere near. Well, I guess it doesn't really matter. That's just how it's going to be pronounced because you're not here to correct me. You're in my office, but it's my rules. All right. I love your uh, I love your finding here. And it's interesting to um, watch the low spec gamer video, which was really more about why some of the founders of Oculus are leaving and be able to drive sort of insights into your local community. And that's actually a pretty powerful tool because humans be humans everywhere. And there's a lot of that in every group. And I think we sometimes get really hard on ourselves because we think Linux users are so bad. It's enthusiasts. It's, it's tribalism. Um, and that's such a, such a loaded term, but it's, uh, it's, it's people that want to signal what kind of ideals that they have and hold. And they're looking for other people that hold those same ideas and signals because it's, it's a way to determine safety. It, it's a way to determine common values so you know they're more likely somebody you can trust. It's instinctual. It's necessary for human survival. And without it, we wouldn't 
we wouldn't be able to have a, a you know an economy. You wouldn't be able to have a market system. So it's a uh, I don't know. I don't know how to solve the problem other than trying to talk about it in a way that is both open and understanding, but doesn't really encourage it. I've really been trying to take on this mantra of, you know, this type of Linux doesn't work for you, for me, but that doesn't mean it doesn't work for you. An example is Gnome Shell for a long, long time, you know, um, just Gnome Shell hasn't really worked well for me. Somehow the project continues on with more and more users all the time. So what should I take away from that? That Gnome Shell is crap and garbage and and should uh, be completely redone? Or that perhaps it just doesn't work perfectly for me? And that there are tools that work better for me, just like Gnome Shell is a tool that works better for others. And I think we just have to start encouraging that kind of conversation and it'll catch on. That's something we try to do through the shows. I don't know if it is catching on. Seems like people are becoming more aware of it. And it's definitely like by these emails, it seems like it's the awareness is increasing in the audience. And I agree. The, the, the enthusiast trap is a really tricky thing for companies to deal with because you do have to start to appeal to a broader audience if you want to grow beyond a certain niche. Or you have to determine that you can sustain a business in that niche and you're happy with it. But that doesn't, that doesn't happen a lot. I mean, you look at Apple, for example. When, when the iPhone was exploding, they really had a hard time paying attention to the needs of their Mac users, especially the professional Mac users. And now, as the iPhone is becoming about 40% of their business and the other elements of their business are making up the slack, all of a sudden the Mac is becoming more important again. And now you're starting to see things like the Mac Pro, the iMac Pro, the refreshed Mac Mini, and the new rumored MacBook Pro. Plus, on top of that, though, which I think is even more of a signal from Apple, is their top executives, like Craig Federici and Phil Schiller, are going on enthusiast podcasts. They're going on those guys' shows. That's like talking directly to the enthusiast market now. They've gone from ignoring the enthusiast market to building hardware for them and going on platforms in which they tune into. And I think that is sort of a re... You can see in these last two years. I think it's kind of neat neat to watch, especially from afar, because I got no skin in the game, so I can go, oh, look at this. They're listening again. They're putting putting decent hardware out again. It's, It's unbelievably expensive, but that's a different conversation. And I think you see this realignment in their priorities and companies struggle with this. They really do struggle with this. And so as they grow to a wider, broader market, listening to that niche audience who can seem extra demanding and pandantic almost can feel like a waste of your time because you have this broader millions of more potentials of X of whatever it might be. And uh, But the thing is, you really have to walk a fine line there because your most loyal fans are really the ones that can help you get the word out. They can, they'll be the first to try that new product. Maybe it's the watch or not my case. Maybe it's a podcast, right? They'll be the first to try that new thing. Uh, so it serves them. It serves the long-term health of the organization or the project to keep the fans happy. And that's why when I cover in LUP, Manjaro's deciding to take out free office, but instead give the user a choice of free office, LibreOffice, or no office at the install time is a pretty reasonable compromise because for those folks that want to still take advantage of the free office improvements for particularly types of cranky doc format conversions, 
It's there for them now. And for those that want to stick with LibreOffice, still available right there front and center. And for those like me now that want no office, <laughs> that's even better. So anyways, thank you for the email. Go ahead and get out of here. Go. Jack's got to get in here. So Jack, welcome into my office. And he wrote in about NextCloud. We've been talking NextCloud. I haven't really said much about it recently, so I thought this would probably be a pretty good chance right here. Here's what Jack writes. Hey, Chris, I had some tips for NextCloud features that I didn't hear mentioned that you would definitely find useful. I've been using NextCloud since the own cloud fork, so maybe about three years, and it's become my favorite, most useful self-hosted server other than my Plex and Jellyfin VM. Number one is external storage. Allows you to map a folder in NextCloud to an external storage provider by either SIF, Samba, Amazon's AWS, OpenStack, SFTP, Dropbox, etc. And then you can use it natively within NextCloud's clients and the web page. It can request credentials on access, store them, uh, uh, store them, or authenticate against LDAP or federate with other NextCloud instances. And then they're shareable with the NextCloud permissions. That's that's a really cool thing. I actually am aware of external storage in our NextCloud uh, server, one of our production NextCloud servers. Is I don't think it's using the formal external storage, but it is doing um, DigitalOcean Spaces, which is really kind of a cool thing. So check that out. Uh, so we are aware of external storage. I have had some performance issues with it in the past when I connected it to uh, Google Drive and a Dropbox. So I haven't been all over it. But for those of you that aren't aware of it, that's a good one. He goes on to say it's a great way to also provide highly available interface to storage objects that otherwise wouldn't really be accessible outside the LAN or VPN, which leads him to the next one. Now, this is a big one. Full text search. This is a plugin stack that provides an Elasticsearch interface to your NextCloud files and folders. It also has support for OCR. Combined with external storages, you could provide a full, incredibly fast search for not just file names, but the contents of everything Elasticsearch supports. Office formats, text, PDF, etc., etc. When my grandfather died, he asked me to make his documents and emails available to the family, and I used Nextcloud and Full Text Search to do it. And it's an easy interface. I also used it to provide a text search for my entire home NAS, which is great when you're looking for, say, a tax document that you didn't name all that well and maybe didn't file in the best place. Hope you find these useful, Jack. I do find those useful. Thank you, Jack. That's really great. Now, if you want to uh, get into my office in the future, there's probably several ways you can do it. I'm monitoring um, different show inboxes, so sometimes I'm gonna, I'll be picking up some of those questions that slip through the cracks and don't make it into a show, or your best bet, like if you specifically want to get in here, extras.show slash contact. You go over there, and I'll be watching that. We can get something in here, just you and me. You got a question directly for me? Or Prospector Chris, that's who was just talking there for a second. You can go over to extras.show slash contact and uh, drop it in there, and I'll address it on a future office hours whenever that is. The office is busy, all right? I don't know when those are. So the best thing to do would be go to extras.show slash subscribe and just get them. See you next time. Office hours are closed. Thanks for visiting. It's over. It's all done now. The office is closed. You gotta go.